1: Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What
2: follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
0: The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside The Box of Oddities.
2: How was your day today?
3: It was crazy. Um, I was driving into town and you know that little hill you come up over right by the water? The murder hill? Yeah, the murder hill where, okay. I, where I almost died.
2: Yeah, that
3: time. Um, I was coming up over that hill and the electric company, they were one of their big trucks with a cherry picker on it, yep. was backing out of a driveway. The cherry picker is down and there's a guy standing in the bucket of the cherry picker. Mm-hmm. And so I'm coming up over the hill and all I can see is this guy standing in a uh, in a cherry picker bucket pulling out in front of me and for a brief moment i thought oh my god a transformer what what is wrong with my brain a transformer
2: now did you think like friend or foe was it a decepticon or an autobot
3: oh it was it was definitely an autobot it was optimus prime (laughs) for a moment there i almost had a head-on collision with optimus prime (laughs) fortunately I wasn't killed.
2: See, if it had been me, it would have been some sort of like, look, it's a goat, like, even though it <laughs> yeah. made no sense. That's right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've got a story for you. I think you're going to uh, you're going to be amazed by.
2: Okay, I love being amazed.
3: By the year 2007, Tanya Ryder, who was 33 years old at the time,
2: Oh, just a baby,
3: was living in Seattle with her husband Tom. Now, friends and neighbors, they often would talk about how famously this couple got along. They really enjoyed each other's company. To casual observers, they appeared to be deeply in love. One neighbor... I
2: mean, that sounds familiar is all I'm saying.
3: One neighbor mm-hmm. even commented on a number of occasions how she wished that uh, she and her husband had the same kind of relationship that Tom and Tanya had.
2: Aw, and their names start with the same letter, which is just
3: cute. Tanya and Tom had a dream to build a new house. So they both worked several jobs and double shifts all the time to try to save enough money for a down payment okay. to get the loan to build this uh, house. They often worked all hours, day and night. Okay. On September 20th of 2007, Tanya finished up her night shift at a local grocery store, just kind of a mom and pop grocery store. Okay. Co-workers saw her leave the store.
2: I'm trying not to look too interested so that you don't like question what I'm... What I'm doing.
3: You're trying to figure out what this story is.
2: Yes, yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. I want to win. I <laughs> want to win at this game. Why is
3: everything a competition Shh, with just you?
2: tell its story. Did uh, she get kidnapped?
3: So she finishes her shift. Her coworkers see her leave the store, take the keys out of her purse, open up the car door, and drive off. Okay. Now she had a few hours off between this shift at the grocery store and her next shift at a local clothing store. They, okay. they were working hard. So she was going to go home, grab a quick nap and off to her second job. This was a schedule that was very familiar to her friends and her family. They all knew that uh, she was she was working this schedule. Okay. The problem is, when her second shift began, she failed to show up.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: And this was very unlike Tanya. Yeah, it never is. She was very dependable and very hardworking. At least this was the reputation that she had at the time. And by the time her husband contacted the police, Two full days had gone by.
2: That seems suspicious. Yeah, well, that's what... That's weird. That's what the police thought. Yeah. Oh, as the kids say, it's sus. No cap.
3: So they asked him why he waited two days. And he said uh, that it was not uncommon for them to not see each other for a couple of days because of the shift work that they had.
2: you'd talk, right? You would touch
3: base. There would be days would go by and they wouldn't see each other. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. That's hard for you to believe. I know.
2: It is. I know. I mean, are you, are you preparing to mock me?
3: No, I was just counting up how many times you've called me today since I left the house.
2: I have had a hard day. <laughs>
3: Seven.
2: <laughs> Sir.
3: <laughs> you called me right after my near head on with a robot. Okay. The police really didn't seem too concerned about it Okay. at the time. They didn't have much of an interest in investigating this. Sure. She probably ran away. Well, they checked her bank account, right? And they saw that there was activity in the bank account and said, well, she's fine. She probably just, you know, skipped town or whatever. And according to ABC News, Tom was told, quote, she's an adult. She can go wherever she wants. This is what the dispatcher told him.
2: Okay, I need for just everyone... Right now, to understand that that's just not like if I disappear for mm. any length of time. Mm. I've never just taken off. Mm-hmm. It's just not a thing.
3: No, I get that. I and do. And if someone's
2: using my credit card, it's not me.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with I with... have
2: been slaughtered and I'm on the side of the road <laughs> and I'm waiting for you to save me mm-hmm. and you're just sitting around at Sweet Frog like I guess she's just out having fun. Well, I'm not. I'm dead. I'm dying. I'm, I'm, I'm bleeding out.
3: But sweetie, Sweet Frog. I know. I mean, oh,
2: come on. When was the last time we had sweet frog? It was over a year ago. Goddamn
3: pandemic. So here's the thing about Tanya's bank account. It, oh, was yeah. all, it was also Tom's bank account. Okay. And the activity that they were seeing was just Tom's every day, you know, hey, I need some gas and a cup of coffee.
2: Oh, that's police work.
3: Yeah. So for some reason, they didn't ask Tom if his name was on the account as well. Oh, they just, man. well, She's probably just run off, right? Now, as a guy, I worry about this sort of thing. If something ever happened to you, mm-hmm. God forbid, I would immediately they would they would immediately suspect me because As they should. statistically yes. it's it's either the husband or the boyfriend Correct. that is responsible for somebody being disappeared.
2: And you are both of those things.
3: Th- that is true. And I would be so upset mm-hmm. that if they gave me a polygraph, I'm convinced I'd fail it.
2: Well, polygraphs mean nothing and we shouldn't use them anyway.
3: Those are some fears that I have.
2: No, they're valid fears. That,
3: that and you're going to walk in on me when I'm pooping sometime.
2: <laughs> I did. Last week. <laughs> Any
3: Tom volunteered to take a polygraph test. In fact, he begged them to take the test and to come and search his house. They still didn't take him up on that. They still assumed that Tanya had just run off. In the meantime, Tom starts looking around himself. He started talking to her co-workers. He's uh, trying to get some kind of a clue as to what might have happened to his wife. He even offered a $25,000 reward. Uh It was becoming clear at this point that Tom was sincerely worried about his wife's whereabouts and not just putting on an act. Okay. You're thinking this is a Gone Girl sitch.
2: No, no. I'm thinking that Tom does some investigative reporting and finds his injured wife.
3: What happened? was the police finally opened an investigation after Tom badgered them. Thank you. It was eight days after Tanya Ryder was last seen alive. You
2: better badger those police if I go missing.
3: Oh, I'll badger. The first thing that law enforcement did was to review the videotape of the supermarket showing Tanya getting into her vehicle and driving away. The next thing they did was check her cell phone records. They were able to determine... That uh, her cell phone was connected at that moment to a tower off of Highway 169 in Renton, which is a suburb of Seattle. Okay. So they began to retrace the route that Tanya, w- or Tanya would have taken after leaving her first job to go home and grab a short nap. Once they started looking, it took them 20 minutes.
2: Are you kidding me? To
3: find the crushed up blue SUV at the bottom of a 20-foot ravine along the side of the highway. Oh my
2: God, she's okay. Wait, okay, go ahead. You go ahead.
3: One of the troopers scrambled down over the hill to the wreck and shouted back up the ravine to um, the other members of the search party. She's alive. (gasps) So they all rushed down to the wrecked vehicle. They cut the roof off and pulled Tanya out through the hole. She'd been trapped inside her wrecked vehicle for over eight days.
2: Oh my gosh.
3: Apparently what happened was that she was on her way back home to grab a nap, but she was so exhausted from all of the uh, shifts that she had been taking, her body just shut down. She fell asleep.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: When she came to, she found herself hanging upside down inside of her blue Honda SUV, still strapped in by the seatbelt, but wedged up against the steering wheel. She was pretty badly banged up, as you can imagine. Uh, she had broken several several ribs. Her left leg was pinned and was completely numb. She couldn't move. She couldn't reach her cell phone, as it had flown around inside the vehicle during the crash and had landed out of her reach. But she could still see it, and every time it rang, she could hear it, and she could see the screen light up. Now,
2: oh, my phone just lit up, just now, just
0: now. Oh,
3: that's weird. <laughs> I got goosebumps. This is a particularly haunting revelation for me because when I went off the road on Murder Hill, mm-hmm. I rolled my truck over in that snowstorm a few years ago. And your phone went flying. It was in the cup holder in my truck, and mm-hmm. it did. It went after the vehicle came to arrest after flipping over. I couldn't find my phone. Fortunately, though, a uh, sheriff's deputy was right behind me, and by the time I'd pulled myself out of the vehicle, he was right there and he gave me his phone i called you and you didn't recognize the number yeah. so you didn't pick it up but of i left not. i left a message and as soon as you listened to it you started calling my phone repeatedly and i could hear it ringing out in the field <laughs> and so i followed the sound and found my phone probably 12 feet away from my truck in a snowbank and so ever since then when i'm when i'm riding in in the car or truck i put my phone in my pocket i learned my lesson there smart so anyway tom had called tanya time and time again and every time he called she would see his face come up on the screen of the phone and she would scream out his name but she couldn't reach far enough to answer the calls at this point she was beginning to drift in and out of consciousness Her eyes kept closing. She said that uh, she prayed during this time that it it was just a bad dream and that when she would open her eyes, she would be in bed next to Tom, safe at home. Mm. But every time she opened her eyes, she was still hanging upside down in her SUV. The days went by. She became weaker and extremely dehydrated. Her kidneys started to shut down. At this point, she began hallucinating. At one point... (laughs) This is like something my brain would do to me. She hallucinated that she was able to reach her phone and she called 911 repeatedly, but the operator at the other end would just laugh and hang up on her.
2: Oh no, that's terrible.
3: It was though her brain was just taunting her. Brains will do that. Yep. So Tanya knew enough at this point that she was dying and she accepted that fact. Soon the pain started to fade Tanya found herself walking in a beautiful sunny meadow. It was at this point that she heard the trooper's voice yell, she's alive.
2: Oh my gosh.
3: It took the rescuers 90 minutes to cut Tanya out of the vehicle. An airlifter to a nearby hospital, she was put in a medically induced coma at the hospital. And along with those several uh, broken ribs that she had, she had a dislocated shoulder, she had broken her collarbone, uh, kidney damage, because of the dehydration hmm. and uh, her left leg was so badly mangled that uh, it nearly had to be amputated, but they did save it. Tom found out that they had found and rescued his wife while he was in the process of taking the polygraph test.
2: Oh, jeez!
3: To prove that he was innocent. When Tanya woke up from her medically induced coma, Tom was standing there by her bedside. Clearly Tanya's efforts to stay alive for eight days without food and water Um, They were heroic, but Tom was also a real hero too, because he never gave up. He knew his wife, he knew she wouldn't have left him. He had a gut instinct that she was alive and she needed help and he refused to stop looking. A few years later, a few years go by, Tanya wrote about her experience in her book. It's called Without a Trace, Eight Days of Horror. In it, she encourages people facing whatever challenges in their life to keep, quote, moving forward it's the only way to move.
2: Ugh. But she couldn't even move. She was stuck. All pinned in. Ugh, upside down.
3: Tanya Ryder.
2: That's an incredible story. That
3: is something else, isn't
2: it? Uh, was there any action taken against the officials who refused to...
3: No, the, the police defended their uh, right. their actions, saying that most of the time when stuff like this happens... Mm-hmm. It's just that the person has run off. You know, silly women. Uh-huh. They get all hysterical and flighty.
2: <laughs> Why are you doing this to me?
3: And
0: now, that thing in the middle.
3: For Brad and Barbie Sober from Rockford, Michigan, it's all about the numbers. Barbie gave birth to her first child on August 8th, 2008. 888. Oh. Her second child was born on September 9th, 2009, 999. And her third child, you guessed it, October 10th, 2010, 101010. The chances of this
0: happening are 50 million to one. This podcast is not to be used in place of a cutting board when slicing meats, cheeses, or produce. Because it gets your phone all icky and stuff. This is... The Box of Oddities.
3: You hear Kat and I talk a lot about aura frames, and there's a reason for that. We live in Ecuador, and our family is all over the place. In fact, Kat right now is up visiting her mom... And when I say up, I mean main. We got her an Aura frame so we could share photos and videos from any device and they'll instantly appear on the frame, which makes it easy because she's getting up there in years. It's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app and it's the perfect gift for Mother's Day. Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. It is the perfect gift for Mother's Day. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get 30% off free shipping and their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code ODDITIES at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. And use code ODDITIES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Ellie sent us an
3: email. The subject is the Box of Oddities effect. (laughs) I always love when we get these. So much fun. So I just listened to the episode about all the ghosts and the bodies on Mount Everest. And I was like, wow, that is kind of cool. But then I was talking to my friend and out of nowhere they said... You know, there's a lot of bodies up on Mount Everest and nobody takes them down. And I was like, oh my God. So I asked them if they listened to the box of oddities and they said, no, they do now. (laughs) And if that wasn't strange enough, when I got off the call, I walked into my living room and my dad was watching a documentary on Mount Everest and it was going over those who had died on the mountain. This is random, but it was a great moment for me.
2: That's wonderful. It's a great
3: moment for us too, Ellie. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing that box of oddities effect with us. That's a double one. <laughs> that is. That's a debu. Which sounds filthy. So what do you have for me today, my love? Mm. I know you're all distracted because you got our food sensitivity tests in the mail.
2: I'm very excited about this.
3: I know it's going to tell me that I can't eat cheese and I'm going I'm to yell, liar! It's what <laughs> I'm going to do. Well, it's
2: good that we spent money on these then.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, okay, so you know who Hedley Lamar is.
3: Yes, of course.
2: That's Hedley. Okay, so Hedy Lamar, not the same as Hedley Lamar. Right,
3: right. You're, you're, you're not talking about the Harvey Corman character in Blazing Saddles. That's correct. Okay.
2: Hedy Lamar. Was an Austrian-born American actress who appeared in over 30 films over a 28-year career during the 30s, 40s, and 50s. She was described by many as the most beautiful woman in the world. And her likeness was used as an inspiration for Snow White and for Catwoman. Shut up. Yeah.
3: No, I'd I'd heard of her, of course, Mm -hmm. but I'm not familiar with any of her work.
2: Okay. All right. Well, she was, among countless other accolades, she got her Hollywood Walk of Fame star in 1960.
3: That was back when the Hollywood Walk of Fame star meant something, back before like Rick Dees got one.
2: Why shouldn't Rick Dees have one? Rick Dees. From the weekly top 40? Yeah. Why don't you believe he should have a Hollywood Walk of Fame star? (laughs) Don't
3: drag me into this. Rick Dees made me very angry once, and that's all I'm going to say.
2: So now the Walk of Fame stars mean nothing because Rick Dees made you angry?
3: Rick Dees angered me, yes. So now I have no respect for- Did he cut
2: in line between you and Michael (laughs) Keaton that time you were in line with Michael Keaton? No,
3: no. That was Sly Stallone that cut in line.
2: You're such a braggart.
3: I used to be somebody. (laughs) And now I'm just getting run over by Transformers.
2: Okay, so yeah, we all know who Hetty Lamarr is. Actress, movie producer, angel-faced inventor? Really? So Hetty Lamarr was born Hedwig Eva Maria Kiesler in 1914 in Vienna. In August of 1933, at the age of 18, she married... Frederick Mandel, probably Friedrich. Friedrich. Yeah. She was 18. He was 33 at the time. He was a Viennese arms merchant and he was like the third richest guy in Austria at the time. He had immense wealth, but he got a lot of that from doing business with people like Mussolini and Hitler. Now, her parents are both of Jewish descent, and he's doing all this business with Hitler.
3: This must have caused some really interesting conversations around dinner.
2: Yeah, well, um, despite uh, his being part Jewish and uh, her being of Jewish descent, uh, she would accompany him to business meetings where he would confer with, I mean, people who probably made her very uncomfortable Uh, but also with scientists and other professionals involved in military technology. And these conferences were where she kind of got introduced to the field of applied science, and she became really interested in nurturing that talent for science.
3: That's amazing.
2: Not too long later, she fled the marriage because it was awful. And yeah, also the country. Yeah,
3: the Hitler thing.
2: Yeah, no, that's,
0: that's enough. A, that's a downer. I think that's all it takes. Sure. I was
2: watching a TikTok earlier where a girl's like, my boyfriend hangs out with this guy and he's always harassing girls at bars. And I'd be like, nope, that would be enough for me. <laughs> I, I'd be like, nope, you don't get to do this anymore because your friend is a dick. And that's it. Sure. That's all it takes. That makes sense. So uh, this situation really wouldn't have worked. Anyway, so she made her way to London and then Hollywood. She starred in many films with actors like Clark Gable and Jimmy Stewart. In a 1970 interview, she actually remarked that she was paid less because she wouldn't sleep with one of her producers, which is super gross. Mm. Uh, But she was strong-willed. And even though she was gorgeous, I mean, just like blah, um, she was typecast as the glamorous, seductress type. And it Bored the shit out of her. So she didn't like that she was always playing the same kind of a character. It was boring. So after... Leaving MGM in 1945, she formed a production company with a couple of other dudes, and they made some movies that she also starred in. She also liked to tinker, you know, as a hobby. So she's living in Beverly Hills, and she's socializing with celebs like John F. Kennedy and Howard Hughes. Mm. And Howard Hughes took quite a liking to her. And so he was like, do you like, you like doing experiments and stuff? <laughs> okay. So he just gave her anything she wanted to do experiments. She would, He would provide her with people to help her. Mm. He provided her with a lab that she could put in her trailer so that while she was acting, in between takes, she could go in and do she experiments. Had,
3: Howard Hughes gave her a trailer lab? Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah, which doesn't sound great, but it, it was. It was nice. Anyway, so when she had downtime from acting, she was working at, at doing science because she was amazing anyway she also had a penchant and i think this just needs to be said for speaking in the third person which i find incredibly endearing i'm gonna
3: start doing that oh. i was i was actually considering it
2: okay well that's... and now
3: this is just confirmation <laughs> well if hedy
2: lamar can do it right exactly. you know if it's good enough for Hetty, it's good enough for you She wanted to join the National Inventors Council, but she was told by some of the members that she could better help the war effort by using her celebrity status to sell war bonds. Okay. This is according to Smithsonian. She participated in a war bond selling campaign with a sailor named Eddie Rhodes. And so he was in the crowd at each Lamar appearance, and she would call him up on the stage. He was kind of like a sailor plant. So then she would kind of flirt with him a little bit, and she would ask the audience, like, "Should I kiss him?" <laughs> and
0: everyone
2: would be like, "Woohoo!" And she'd be like, "Well, if enough people buy war bonds, you know, we'll we'll kiss." So after the war bonds were purchased, she would kiss Rhodes, and then he would head back into the audience. And Rhodes
3: then, Rhodes had the best job during he did the okay. war. Jethro is jealous. <laughs>
2: She sold approximately $25 million in war bonds during a period of 10 days.
3: And that's in 1940s money.
2: Yeah. That would Whoa. work out to about $350 million dollars when adjusted for inflation. Holy crap. So she was doing okay. She did okay. Yeah. So was Eddie. But uh, <laughs> she couldn't stop at kisses for war bonds, so she kept she kept on with her tinkering. She built an improved traffic stoplight. Um, she came up with this idea for a tablet that would dissolve into water to create a carbonated drink. But it, she admittedly she even said that it didn't taste very good. But mm. she liked the idea, sure, and she just kept messing with it. She also, in, in dealing with Howard Hughes, she suggested to him, that came out weird, do I have dentures? She suggested to him that he changed the rather square design of airplanes at the time to something more streamlined, like a bird. You look at the fastest birds in the world, they're not square, you big dummy. So she brought him some pictures and said, the planes should look more like this. And so that's why planes look that way now. <laughs> wow.
3: She's the one that advanced aerodynamic properties. I mean I'm wow. sure there were
2: other people out there too who were like, wow this doesn't make a lot of sense, but Hetty Lamar was part of it. She worked with a partner whose name was George Antheil? He was an eccentric composer, and they mostly worked behind closed doors. And with him, she made her great breakthrough in the early years of World War II. She was trying to invent a device to block enemy ships from jamming torpedo <laughs> guidance signals <laughs> because she's Hetty Lamar,
3: Holy crap. And she
2: looks like an angel. No one knows exactly what prompted this idea, but... Antheil confirmed that it was Hetty Lamar's design, and he just created the the model, as quoted from a 1945 Stars and Stripes interview. Hetty modestly admitted she did only the creative work of the invention, while George did the really important parts.
3: Oh yeah, of course, because he was the man. And that makes sense.
2: It was said that in interviews, she like she had a really hard time with her fame. Um, If people asked her for her autograph, she legit didn't understand why they might want that, even though she knew she was famous. Mm. But it was like, well, what's the value in that? She just didn't get it. And when uh, she would speak with interviewers, she seemed so down to earth, but also like kind of outside of the Mm. realm of Hollywood, just kind of special
3: i can identify with that one time i was hanging out with bob denver tv's gilligan oh, Jesus. and um actually i met him at a bar
2: uh-huh.
3: and uh i said hey uh can i have your autograph and uh he looked at me and said why would you want that and i had no good answer no but he gave it to me
2: well that's nice and then
3: i left it at the bar
2: come on i
3: did but he was very nice that was a radio promotion that i was involved in and it was the same night we ended up on top of a. Uh, Camelback Mountain in a limo with a couple of other radio guys and Bob Denver. And um, he had to pee. And as he did, the police showed up. Uh-huh. There's Gilligan watering the cactus.
2: Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like a finable offense?
3: <laughs> Not for Gilligan. <laughs> He's been on this island for years. Sure. Give, give the guy a break. And he was wearing his Gilligan outfit.
2: He was not. He
3: was because it was, a, it was a personal appearance as Gilligan. And he lived in Vegas at the time. And this was in Phoenix. And it was a short flight from Vegas. And so he wore his Gilligan suit on the plane. He was, he was wearing it when he got off the plane. We picked him up at the airport.
2: Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I suppose it's smarter
3: than taking a boat. Yeah. Well, can you imagine his fellow Passengers? They look over and there's Gilligan. Right. Oh, this is not a good sign. Right. Mm. Anyway, what were you saying? The good thing about Bob Denver <laughs> is that he never angered me and he deserves his star on the Walk of Fame. Does
2: he have one?
3: I don't know. Probably. He should. If he doesn't, I'm going to jackhammer Rick D's out and put him in
2: okay please don't say that you're going to jackhammer Rick D's out <laughs> like that sounds concerning what for you... me like as a wife
0: <laughs> okay that
2: you want to spend quality time with Rick D's no
3: no Rick D's i'm sure is a fine, okay, I, don't don't I... fine I, is I don't know where i'm
2: about how fine Rick D's is i don't know where i'm going you just said you wanted to jackhammer Rick D's <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> all right Hedy Lamar said she got the idea for the invention when she tried to think of some way to even the balance for the British. And she thought, hey, a radio controlled torpedo should do that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So this is from Wikipedia. This. Invention that she and George came up with was granted a patent on August 11, 1942. Uh, she actually used her name, Hetty Kiesler Markey, which was her married name at the time. Mm-hmm. She was married like six times, but that's really not the point of the story. So um, at the time, the U.S. Navy wasn't really into the idea of considering inventions from outside the military, especially when it's from Hetty Lamar. but um, <laughs> she, it was like really hard to ignore. And so it was first adapted in 1957 to develop a sauna buoy. And... Because it was kind of hard to produce and there were a lot of you know, money factors that went into it, it took until 1962 when there was an updated version of the design that was installed in Navy ships. And today, spread spectrum techniques are incorporated into Bluetooth technology wow. and the, uh, the legacy versions of Wi-Fi. So Wi-Fi and Bluetooth are because of Hedy Lamar. That,
3: wow. Jethro's impressed.
2: I mean, you should be. In 1997, Canadian company YLAN signed an agreement with her to acquire 49% of the marketing rights to her patent. And this was the only financial compensation she received for the frequency hopping spread spectrum invention. It should be noted that she worked on a lot of things and made a lot of things that are really, really cool and didn't get any credit for it. She just was ignored. And it's the same with her production company. She worked really hard to create a production company with a couple of guys, but because she was a female in Hollywood at the time, it was just – she was so poo-pooed.
3: Chicks, am I right?
2: Lamar's daughter spoke of her mother's inventive mind and the work that she did throughout her career to push the boundaries of how women were perceived at the time uh, with Forbes magazine, noting that her mom and Betty Davis were the two first women to own production companies and to tell stories from a female perspective. Lamar passed away in 2000 of heart disease at the age of 85.
3: Wow, I didn't know she, she was still alive in the 2000s. Yeah. That's that's a good life. Yeah.
2: Ten years before she died, she said in an interview, the brains of people are more interesting than the looks, I think. Wow. And she had both in spades. And Hedy Lamar is my new role model.
3: So I'm going to mention this, and I know it's going to make you uncomfortable.
2: Oh, <laughs> cool. I'm looking forward to this. Excellent. I love uh, it when you say shit like that.
3: <laughs> um, wanted to thank medium- and Authority Magazine mm. for a uh, a wonderful article yeah. that they featured us in. And um, it made Kat really, really, really uncomfortable. You know how Kat is anyway. She has a hard time with compliments. But the headline was, they referred to us as po- podcast stars. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now you
2: won't stop doing it. Yeah. Like, you're just like, are you ready for dinner, podcast star? <laughs> I made tacos, podcast star.
3: Cat was a little bit down today. She had a, a little bit of a of an anxiety attack earlier, mm. and um, that was my go to. I said, <laughs> "Sweetheart, you're a, you're a podcast star, according to Medium."
2: <laughs> that did help. Yes, because yeah.
3: we both had a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they had any idea. Oh, man. You know? Yeah.
2: If they saw this basement, mm. they would be like, wow. Yeah. Wow. We just throw the word star around yeah. willy-nilly. Yeah.
3: We're recording next to a furnace with a coal shovel leaned up against it. Yeah. So
2: we're still really braggy about the new chairs that we bought and they're foldable.
3: Yes. Well, they're quality <laughs> foldable.
2: Well, sure. We,
3: we would not purchase shoddy foldable furniture. That's right. <laughs> we're way above that. I
2: do want to thank you for being so so um sweet and uh understanding with me today because i know it took me a long time to get ready to do the podcast today because i was i was really i was struggling and um you are just a treasure and you're very helpful and i love you
3: ew anyway thanks for hanging out with us freaks oh that was a real bummer
1: it's a real
2: bummer way to end it my wife left town with a banana my baby slipping away Keep flying that, freak flag.
0: (laughs) Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak.
2: Did that work?
0: I don't know. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review, true That is, two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the box of oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage theboxofoddities.com copyright 2021 all rights reserved
2: Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's 9 children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.
1: Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge.